Welcome to the Love on the Go podcast, brought to you by Carolina's Matchmaker. I'm Laurie Burzak, and for over 17 years, I've been helping singles find the relationship of their dreams all over the Carolinas. Along the journey, I've met so many amazing professionals and experts from various fields, and I'm excited to introduce them to you. What's my goal? I want to help you look at love and relationships in a new way and to grow in your understanding of how love works. Let's learn together how people have overcome personal obstacles and have found love, first and foremost, with themselves. The ultimate goal is realizing that you are worthy and deserving of love. Let's get started. Today, I have one of my favorite matchmakers on the show for your listening pleasure, um, Gabby Arato, who lives in Colorado and she was born and raised in Berkeley, California. You definitely have like a California vibe to you. That's for sure. I'm so glad you say that. Cause I always feel like <laughs> California people tell me that I'm very New York feeling. And then New York people tell me I'm very California feeling. And I'm like, no, nobody wants to accept me, oh but my gosh. I'm a California kid born and raised. That is so funny. I love it. So you founded your, you obviously you've been in the industry for a while, but then you started your own um, boutique matchmaking firm called Keeper Introduction Services back in 2020. Yes. And you work with people, clients all over the nation. Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah. So I had been with a big firm and I had been doing very well at that big firm, but that mm -hmm. firm had started making a lot of changes that I didn't like. So I broke off and I started my own company, KISS, Keeper Introduction Services. Nice. And I would say that my typical client is kind of an outdoor fitness enthusiast. A lot mm -hmm. of my clients are people who love to ski, love mm -hmm. to bike, love to hike. I don't think I have a client who isn't really big in one of those three things. Right. So if they've got a second home in Aspen or something along those lines, they might hire you and then you can introduce them to locals. And then obviously, so it's, you know, a high-end clientele that you're serving just like the rest of us. Yes. Um, you work with men and women or mainly men? Yeah, I love um I love working with men. I'd say in the mm -hmm. last year I started taking more women. I had opened my company just servicing men, but mm -hmm. you know, there's just a lot of good reasons to take women. And mm -hmm. I this year in the last I'd say six months, I started taking more and more women. So I'm working right now with quite a few women, but I I, I will take both. They just have to be the right fit for me. Okay, perfect. That makes a lot of sense. And I agree with that hundred percent. So you um I love, I love, okay. I'm just going to read a line from her bio to you guys. Gabriella believes their desire to love and be loved is the universal tie to humanity and the very invitation to leading an exemplary life. That's true. It's so beautiful. You're, you. you're definitely one of my favorite matchmakers. You're so down to earth. You're so much fun. You're very awake. I think to life and love and all the things. So I'm really, really thrilled to have you on board Thanks. today. I kind of for adore sure. You I kind of Thank adore you. you. Thank you. I feel like we so, you know, sisters. You know what's so funny? Co completely. Uh, yeah. Here's what's funny about us and how we're we're similar a little bit is that so you got a BA um, in film studies from Cornell and then an MFA in writing from Columbia University. And that's great. Oh my gosh, I'm so like jealous of the the MFA in writing. We'll have to talk about that some other time. But anyway, so when I went to Emory, my undergrad was in English and psych with a minor in theater. Oh, okay. 
And I took film studies at Emory and loved it. So that's really neat. So were you thinking you, what were you going to do with those degrees? Not be a matchmaker. I I definitely (laughs) wasn't thinking I was going to be a matchmaker. And I'm still, I would call myself like an entertainment junkie. I, whether it is Broadway shows, whether it is a great TV series, whether it is Mm. a great movie, I love great entertainment. I love it. So I, I, of course, back when you're young and you can kind of do anything with your time, it mm-hmm. still makes sense. I, sometimes I'm like, what was I doing? Why did I study these ridiculous things? I could have studied economics and gone to wall street and mm-hmm. that would have been practical or law, uh, law school. But then, and then I remember, no, the thing I actually studied, the thing I still really, 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 really love, like nothing makes me happier than, you know, fiddler on the roof you like no so, you know I still love <laughs> entertainment and I still do do a lot of writing I, I publish a lot of articles about dating and matchmaking in a in kind of a what I'd call woo woo magazine called um mind body soul and I, okay. I do a lot of writing and you know creative writing still on my own so although I I never became a writer I do I do publish things and I still I would say like kind of have writing skills may be better than your average bear. And yeah. I do love literature. Well, I always say I'm a writer, but right now I'm just not writing. Right. I don't exactly. think that ever really leaves you. I agree. Yeah. I totally agree. Yeah. Okay. So Gabby and I collaborated together. I don't know. I guess it was about two years ago or so. Um, I had a matchmaking client. Um, we'll call him D. And he was having a really hard time with... I was getting feedback about him that was kind of negative. And I was like, I need to see what he's doing on a date. So I hired Gabby to do a mock date with him um, on Zoom. And what was so interesting is and you gave really good feedback on him, said he was a super nice guy. When he, yeah. And when he watched the Zoom call, what he realized was that he had a tick, a terrible tick, uh-huh. which he, he, he used to blink a lot. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I saw it and, I wasn't, you know, there's, you can't change people. You you right. work with what you have. And, um, yeah. but when he saw it, he realized that maybe there's something he could do about it. And he actually went to the doctor and they put Botox, remember this in his forehead Wow. and it calmed down the tick. Wow. Next thing you know, he's online dating more effectively. He's feeling more confident about himself. We had him styled the whole nine yeah. and he met a wonderful woman online. They're married now. I love that. I know. It's something that is, it's unfortunate, but dating is shallow in a lot of mm-hmm. ways. I, I like to say, you know, if you go to church or you go to synagogue mm-hmm. and we talk about the soul and the importance of the soul and the whole world of each of our contribution and all mm-hmm. of these kinds of deep and beautiful things are meaningful to me personally, mm-hmm. but that isn't the world of dating. The world mm-hmm. of dating has a lot of just pure shallowness and yeah. something like a person's tick could really be getting in the way. Yeah, it was distracting. Yes. I knew that that would not prevent him from finding love, but maybe if if it calmed down a little bit, that yes. more people would be attracted to him. Right. And so, but honestly, it was his idea to do anything about it. And he was very motivated. Right. And um, he was such a lovely guy. And um, it was interesting because when he met his now wife, 
they got together very quickly and moved in together so fast. I was like, whoa, what's going on here? But I was like, you yeah. know what? I'm going to trust the client. He knows what he's doing and he ended okay. up doing it. But I think that mock dates are very important. Do you do a lot of those or is it just now and again? I mean, if, if somebody hires me to do one, I actually really, mm-hmm. enjoy, I enjoy doing them. Mm-hmm. Um, I like dating. I mean, as, as we were just talking about, I am single. So yep. I actually genuinely date and yeah. I enjoy dating and I certainly can enjoy a mock date. So mm-hmm. I do think a mock date has a lot of value. If mm-hmm. you're working with a matchmaker and you're wondering what might be happening on your dates, I think to have a mock date, especially over zoom where you then can watch it. I mean, look, mm-hmm. if you're a football player, you go with the coach afterwards and sure. you, you, why in the world would this be any different or a ballet? Right. Because I think people forget that there's an intellectual side to dating, but there's, there really is also Mm -hmm. a physical component Mm -hmm. and it allows you to see that physical component and see, like you said, like if there's anything about your body language Mm -hmm. or even to monitor, monitor what's coming out of your mouth in Mm -hmm. a way that maybe is very hard to do when you're just hearing yourself talk. If you hear it being recorded and then you listen to it, you may start to hear yourself differently. It's just a valuable tool. Yeah, hundred percent. And what I think is interesting is that when you do one of these mock dates, you can evaluate it, how it feels when you're going through it. And then you can evaluate it. So from the inside and also from the outside as mm-hmm. the viewer, as well as, as, as the person going through it. So it's really good. So you, so you're a single matchmaker. Yeah. Um, and you were saying earlier that you would say about 70% of matchmakers are probably married. I think when, like when we think about that matchmakers Alliance yeah. conference, if mm-hmm. I were to look around the room, I would say 70, 75% mm-hmm. of the people in the room are married. Don't you think? Yeah, I think so. And so how do you feel like it's to your advantage to be a single matchmaker? You know, I would say that I look at sometimes at a married matchmaker and maybe they haven't been in the trenches for a while. Mm-hmm. Maybe they don't know what it means to swipe left or swipe right or mm-hmm. what the feeling of swipe culture feels like because mm-hmm. they've never been in swipe culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, also, I just think when you have been maybe living in the comfort of a loving relationship for a long time, mm. maybe you forget those emotional highs and lows of mm. seeing someone that really excites you that you think maybe, oh my God, finally, maybe this is going to happen. Mm. Then having that letdown and then having to come back from that letdown, maybe mm-hmm. you Maybe you never even went through that in the first place because you might have met someone really early or maybe it's 20 or 15 years since that happened. So I think in these ways, being single myself gives me a a compassionate quality with my clients and a way Mm -hmm. to relate with my clients. On the other hand, I would say that there's something I'm missing, which is that a married matchmaker found that magic and maybe says, look, I have the magic potion, look at me, I have the magic potion and I can give you the magic potion. Mm -hmm. I can't say I have the magic potion, but despite having not had the magic potion myself, I've gotten Mm -hmm. a lot of people married. I'm a little like Emma out of Jane Austen or something, you know, it seems to be, (laughs) or the the barefoot shoemaker kind of syndrome. But in any case, I, I think that, you know, there's, there's, it wouldn't, it shouldn't matter to somebody whether their matchmaker is married or isn't married. There you I go. 
should matter to somebody is that they feel that their matchmaker understands them and they feel Mm -hmm. that they're connected to their matchmaker and they want to be guided on this particular journey through the, with that person. Exactly. hundred percent. And you know, there's, although people might be married in the field, they might not be working on their relationships. Right. It is a lot of work to have a successful marriage. A lot of work. I got a call from a relationship coach yesterday Mm -hmm. and I thought I've been on her podcast and she asked me, I was thinking she was going to call me to ask me back on her podcast. But Mm -hmm. when I picked up the telephone, she said, I'm in a divorce Mm -hmm. and I'm wondering how do I get into your database? Yeah. And do you know any guys for me? And as it turned out, this big relationship coach who's been spewing all of this advice for two years has actually told me that her relationship was basically roommates and she has mm. been very frustrated in her relationship. So mm-hmm. you never know anyway. You but- don't know. You <laughs> yeah, don't know, you right? Know. Yeah. yeah, it's a lot of work. And I know matchmakers who are afraid to leave their marriages because they're afraid that people won't take them seriously anymore and that they'll think, oh, well, she or he's getting a divorce. So how could I trust them? Which isn't fair because right. every every single situation is so unique, but, um, it's funny how this field can kind of skew your mind a little bit around all of this. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I can't say by the way that it hasn't crossed my mind. Oh, would, would it bolster my business or would it be good for me when I'm out on a date? I'm like, is he like, is, would I, would I increase, would I triple my business if I'm just married this one? You know what I mean? Like I'll have almost (laughs) an opposite. I doubt it. (laughs) Yeah. I don't, yeah, I don't think I don't think but, so. Um, yeah, that's yeah I think the fact being a single matchmaker mm-hmm. is being a single matchmaker is a sort of a unique, ironic mm-hmm. phenomenon in and of itself. So has it ever happened where somebody walks into your office or you talk to them on Zoom or whatever and you're like, okay, that's exactly like the kind of person that I would date. And what have you done? Um, you know, it's so funny that you say that. Um I do try to remind people that even though unlike doctors or therapists and stuff, we live, we work in an industry that's a bit of a wild frontier. There's right. no rules. I can sleep with my client and I don't right. use my license. You know what I mean? So <laughs> we live in the wild, wild west. That's one of the things I like about our business is kind yeah. of the wild, wild west. But mm-hmm. despite it being the wild, wild west, it still is my business. And I try mm-hmm. to maintain a lot of professionality around my business. Mm-hmm. However, I have gone on a date with a client of mine before. Okay. I've done it. And How'd it go? I've done it a lot. It was nice. We went and we got barbecue. And uh-huh. I think in many ways, he was a great guy. I think politically, he and I really didn't see eye to eye. Mm-hmm. But, you know, if if he had wanted to see me again, I probably would have said yes. Um, okay. We said we were going to have another date. Then he left on a trip to Africa. And then I never heard from him again, either as my client or as a romantic. Oh, wow. Uh. I just never heard from him again. So in any case, though, I'm not opposed to a date with my client under the right circumstances. But I also I'm not I'm also not I'm also not looking at my client that way. People who are hiring me are not usually hiring me to date me. Right. (laughs) (laughs) 
And just for the record, for all of you listening to this, Gabby is adorable. Oh, thank you. Thank you. So cute. You're like so super fit. You've got the most beautiful smile. Your eyes just light up your spirit. Just really exudes 100%. Speaking uh, by the way of us us being sisters, sometimes when I look at your eyes, I'm like, we have really, we have the same color eyes. We have really similar eyes. We have big green round eyes. That's yeah. That's what makes us look alike. But anyway, it's cute. We could like stare at each other. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do like the eye, the, the staring exercise. I was talking to <laughs> Michal, our, our mutual friend, Michal. If you haven't listened to that podcast yet, um, listen to it. But because it's it's a fun one. But uh, we talk about about that. Staring at each other for a period of time to kind of ground ground yourself. We'll do it at the next conference, Gabby. Oh, that'll be fun. I'd like that'll that. That'll be fun. Okay, good. All right. So one thing that I know about you is that you really challenge your your clients, your men on dating women close close to their age. Sometimes I'll hear from a guy who's in his 30s or early 40s or mid 40s. You know, I want to date a younger woman because she's more fertile, because I want to date for a few years and then have fun together before we settle down and think about having a family. How do you usually deal with that? What is your response? So first of all, I tell everybody that the harsh truth is that in eight years now in this business, I have never once had a man say to me, I'd like to meet a woman older than I am. Mm. It has never, ever, ever happened. I don't, as a woman, particularly like the ageism towards mm-hmm. women out there. Mm-hmm. I don't like it as a single woman. I don't mm-hmm. like it as a matchmaker, but it mm-hmm. is a reality that I deal with. Mm-hmm. And yes, I have to deal with it in my male clients. I try at least to get some wiggle room. For example, mm-hmm. I will say things to a man that he may not really know, like he'll be 55 and he'll say to me, well, I want to date a 27 year old because Mm -hmm. I really want kids. And I'll say maybe to him something like, I might ask him something like, have you ever gotten anybody pregnant? (laughs) And he'll say, uh, no. (laughs) And I'll say, have you ever been to a fertility doctor? Mm -hmm. And he'll say, uh, will know and right. I'll say well how do you know you don't shoot blanks I mean I'm just curious if you are surrounding your entire dating life in the chasing of a 27 year old when you don't even know mm-hmm. if you are going to have to buy sperm mm-hmm. to get pregnant. I just think it's good for people to challenge their assumptions. The other thing I might say, you know, I might get a 60 year old and he might say to me, well, I'd like to date a 42 year old because I still want to have a kid. And I'll say, well, you know, do you know what the odds are of a 42 year old getting pregnant? Mm. Well, no. And I'm like, well, that's interesting that you've decided, you know, 40 to 42 is the range that you now need to date in in order to have a baby. Where Mm -hmm. did you get that number? So Mm -hmm. I think a lot of men come to conclusions around fertility that are totally fantastical. And it's not to say that there may be not some statistical reality around these things, Mm -hmm. but- Fertility is a really funny beast. Mm. What a lot of men don't know is that if you walk into any fertility clinic in America, that an enormous amount 
of the fertility issues of any couple come from the man himself. Mm. They're not always, it's not always the woman. There's fertility issues in men. Mm -hmm. Also, if you went to any sperm bank in America, no sperm bank in America is going to accept a man over a certain age. Yeah. So why would a woman who wants to have, why would a 25 year old woman who herself is really interested in maybe her best choice for her offspring, mm -hmm. interested in your sperm when you're 65? Mm -hmm. So there's a lot of these kinds of things that I think at least I'm not afraid to discuss with my clients. Does yeah. that mean that they're going to change their minds? Not necessarily. But I do mm -hmm. think that a lot of men have some big excuses as to why they need to date so much younger. Mm -hmm. I want to have a baby. I'm so fit. All my friends are younger. Mm -hmm. Um there's, there's often like a list of four or five reasons mm -hmm. why they need to date so much younger when really at the end of the day, those reasons are just bullshit. A hundred percent. Bullshit. Yeah. And I don't, I don't take on men that want to date more than eight to 10 years younger. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just doesn't work that way in North Carolina and North and South Carolina. The women okay. are not interested at all okay. in dating that much older once in a blue moon, but there's something to be said about that. I just say, no, that's, if you want that kind of thing, you can go to LA, you can go to New York. They're doing that big age span gap, yeah. but I'm not going to do it. I have the women aren't interested by the way. Yeah. I have taken those men. I mean, I would say my most egregious one, I have a 58 year old client, male client who mm -hmm. really, really will not go above 38 that is 20 years. That is asking for a very large age differential. I got him out on a date with a 48-year-old. She happened to be the singular most beautiful woman I've ever looked at in my life. Mm -hmm. um, and so he was sort of willing to meet her. But there were, I with men like that, I tell them right off the bat, I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to sell you on your lifestyle and your money. Mm. And, and if you think I'm selling you on something else, you're right. wrong. And if you're willing to have that transaction, right. I might be able to put that transaction together for you. But if you're going to be a youth digger, then you mm. are going to get what society refers to as my least favorite word ever, a gold digger, yeah. because it goes both ways. Mm-hmm. And you can't expect to want to date 20 years younger and then have her love you for your bald spot. <laughs> That's not why she loves you. So let's get real. Cause if she's got a lot going for her and she's beautiful and she's sensational and she's interesting, she can definitely date a guy her own age. So you have to be providing something and bringing something to the table mm -hmm. that the guy her own age doesn't bring. And generally what that is, is that you've had 20 more years to put wealth together. And I mean, that's just the truth or yeah. power or prestige, or you can right. offer something in her field. So mm -hmm. I'm not opposed to that kind of thing. If both of the parties stepping into that relationship want that relationship, mm -hmm. that's okay by me. But what I won't do is a guy who says, I'm expecting to date two decades younger and she shouldn't be interested in me just because I have right. a jet. Right, right. Yeah. Well, why are you interested in her? Right. <laughs>
<laughs> well, it's it's interesting. I mean, you you live in such a high net worth area. I mean, you've got Aspen, you've I mean, there's so many areas all around there that it's just it's it's beyond wealth. Yes. Yes. So you probably do come across a lot of women that are kind of open to that transactional experience. And here, I don't know, the Carolinas, we're just kind of down more, a little more down to earth. We've got our wealthy areas, but it's just a, it's a totally different vibe. Yeah. I yeah. have clients of all sorts. I mean, I would mm-hmm. say I have men who really just want a girl who will go climb a 14,000 peak with them, mm-hmm. who want a girl who is going to be their outdoor nature nut fitness girl. Mm-hmm. And then I have men who are really interested in like what you and I might refer to as kind of like more arm candy. But mm-hmm. I will tell you that I also have women like that. Oh, Yeah. I have women who are also like that and they kind yes. of want some arm candy. And oh, so yeah. I see it going both ways too. Yeah. So, you know, I you sent know, you that one woman I'm working with that is gorgeous. Yeah. And, and you know, I don't, I don't candy? take, I don't take on a lot of women. Uh, yeah. She wants arm yeah. candy. Yeah. She wants arm candy. Yeah. You want somebody who's very handsome. However, uh, she also wants somebody who's wealthy. Right. Yeah. Both. Right. Right. But she also doesn't want to date somebody too old. And that's the tricky part. It is tricky. It yeah. Is- to find somebody within, you know, eight, eight years. Um, I mean, I have three people on the docket for her. I mean, I'm doing like this n- national search for her. So I've got three people. Okay. So that is like a good segue to us talking about collaborating with other matchmakers, because if you're taking on clients all over the nation, yeah, you're working with other matchmakers, which, which is what I've done for this particular woman. She's able to a lot of people, they, they couldn't relocate very easily and whatnot. She said, listen, Lori, I want to hire you for this. Here's a substantial amount of money and I'll date national. I'll relocate, but here's what I need. Okay. Handsome, yeah, wealthy, and within 10 years of my age, I'm like, all okay. right, let's give it a shot. And right, I've okay. done a phenomenal job for her. We're working together for, we have a year contract together. Okay. So great. it's fun. But I only take on maybe one or two women every like two years for that reason, because it's tough. It is. I find women clients to be harder than men clients. I mean, I I hate to say it, but in general with my male clients, if I put somebody in front of them who is nice, who Mm -hmm. is pretty, who is in pretty good shape, he will come back. Even if it's not the love of his life, come back and say, great job. Mm -hmm. But woman- it's harder to please. She mm-hmm. will come back and be like, oh, he 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 asked uh, for photographs of me. Why did he do that? And, <laughs> you know, like there's a lot more nitpicking about everything. <laughs> well, and women, you know, we have so many layers. We're, we we're so deep and we're so introspective and we're looking yeah. for a lot. And I mean, yeah. I, I kind of can't blame us for being this we, way. That's just the way we are. As a single woman, there are things with me about the phenomenon of being female in and of itself that can trigger me with a man. Like Mm. I was on a date the other day and we were out, we had had a couple drinks and we were in a bar. And the next Mm. thing I knew, he stuck his hand down my pants and I know that he was just flirting. So I just, I very salt pulled it out. And then he stuck it down again. Shut and that's up. when something flipped a little in my mind Whoa. in the phenomenon of being a woman and my sense about 
boundaries and are my boundaries being respected? And is this a man who is going to be able to hear a no from me when I need to say no? And so those are the kinds of things that are going on with women on these really, really deep layers about our safety, our boundaries, all of these things that a guy may just not be carrying into a date the way that I'm carrying into a date. Okay, I need some more details on this situation. Were you guys sitting like at a booth? Where were you when this happened? Um, we had gone out to dinner. We had had mm-hmm. a great dinner. And mm-hmm. then we had gone to a bar okay. and there was a band playing. Okay. And we had gotten a couple of drinks at the bar and we had danced to the band. And right. then the band had kind of wrapped up. And so we were standing in a now nearly empty bar that was essentially closing. And it was dark and it was late. And I think he just, he was doing his form of flirting. I don't think he was... There was not a dangerous bone in this guy's body. Uh, pun Who on bone. does that? On a just, fir- wait, this is a first date? It was technically our second because we had had lunch once before. I but- just feel like, I mean, there was like no foreplay there. I mean, maybe you did a little kissing. We had kissed once had while we were dancing. Once. But also we're in public. And I'm yes. like, you know, it was for me a lot. And I just think he I, cannot. I just Mm-mm. think people, you know, and by the way, I didn't I didn't I didn't punch him in the face. I, you know, I actually even went and had I actually went and had dinner with him one more time even after this. But this is all to say, this is all to say that there are layers for women mm-hmm. about just our phenomenons about being female that I think mm. men don't necessarily understand. Like, mm-hmm. I think a guy, when he maybe asks for a nude photograph, mm-hmm. why doesn't understand why that would upset a woman when mm-hmm. he would almost enjoy that. Or even calling a woman, like for me, if you're flirting with a guy online and he uses the adjective sexy about you before right. he's met you, mm-hmm. that actually bothers me. Where oh, I think yeah. a lot of men would love it if yeah. a girl said to him, you're sexy. Mm-hmm. He doesn't understand that for me, it almost feels like grooming Mm. like he's Mm -hmm. starting to lay the groundwork yeah using the word sex before we've even had coffee yeah and and it gives me a little willies but but that may not be the case for the next girl the next girl Mm -hmm. might like that so Mm. guys themselves i i have compassion for modern men because the important job for a man is to be really really tuned in to who is this woman what mm-hmm. kind of signals is she putting out? What kind mm-hmm. of boundaries do I need to pay attention to with her? Mm-hmm. What kind of pacing is correct for her? Because mm-hmm. one woman might want to have sex with you the night she meets you. Mm-hmm. And one woman might want to wait four months. Mm-hmm. And they're both okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you have to be okay with who she is. Beautiful. Love it. Love it. Um out of curiosity with this guy because I can't get my my thoughts around it still so you go out with him the third time yeah why why what was the deal breaker 
Well, you're going to find this kind of interesting. So I okay. actually, he, it was, um, he, I, he actually invited me over to his house where he made dinner and he had a friend in town who had come in as well. And I felt pretty safe going to his house because I knew that his friend was also going to be there mm. and he cooked a lovely meal. And mm -hmm. then me and his friend and him all hung out mm -hmm. and he said, let's go to my den and listen to some music. Mm -hmm. And so we went to the den and he turned the music up and his friend said, can you turn the music down? And he turned the music up a little more. And hmm. his friend said, can you turn the music down? And he turned the music up a little more. And that's when I really questioned whether I would have another date with him. Cause I thought, you know, and I said to him at that moment, I think you have a boundary issue. Mm. what did he say he took it in stride but mm -hmm. i don't know whether he's gonna change but mm -hmm. it was interesting as i watched him interrelate with one of his best buddies mm -hmm. and like one could write this off as they're buddies and they have a rapport mm -hmm. and maybe this is a way that they you know interact with each other but mm -hmm. i thought to myself i don't really like that yeah that and he's making a request to lower yeah. the volume mm -hmm. and he's raising the volume. Agree. Also, I'm thinking, I don't know that I would have felt safe going to his home, even though a friend is going to be there because that's two men and you in a situation. I don't know. I, yeah, I, I, I don't, don't know, know if I, I personally, yeah. I don't know that I would do that just because I I'm understand. a little bit of a safety nut. You know, I felt like at least at that point, I mean, I knew his name. I knew what he did for a living. I knew where yeah. he lived, you know, mm -hmm. uh, uh, and he had actually said to me, if you want to invite another friend over and mm. we do a, bring a girlfriend and we'll just all have dinner and I'm making this dinner. So yeah. I, I was, I felt very, I felt safe about it. I, and by the way, I am really, really big on, you need to be vigilant out there. Yeah. You need to be vigilant, but I have pretty good instincts about this yeah. particular person that yeah. I would, he was not going to be a threat to me in a way that I yeah. needed to be worried about. But I will tell you, I have had experiences out internet dating where yeah. I have had red flags raised by people. And mm -hmm. then I have gone and, and dug deep into the interwebs about them and found some very, very nefarious things. Well, you know, I do that for my clients, my online dating clients. I run background checks on Ben Verified, on Truthfinder. I'm looking at their socials. I'm going on the, are we dating the same guy on Facebook pages? Yeah. Do you do background checks on these men before you date them? Um, I do first not. First date? Okay. Um, I do not, but I always have my first date in a public mm -hmm. place. Always. Mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. any guy who asks you to a over to his house for a first date or wants mm -hmm. to come over to your house for a first date, he delete him instantly. So I do a pretty mm -hmm. good job of what I would call like my own pretty healthy vetting process. I always make sure I get last names. I get phone numbers. I'll put the phone number in. I will definitely find out who they are and LinkedIn and things like that. Mm. But let us just say dating's a risk. Yeah. Even if it's a friend that introduces you to, to a friend, dating's it's not just internet risk. dating. Yeah. hundred percent. Right. Dating's always a risk. And you really mm -hmm. need to be tuned into your own sense of mm -hmm. is this right? And is this safe? And you should always mm -hmm. have what I would call like a pretty healthy exit plan mm -hmm. anywhere and never mm -hmm. over drink 
alcohol can be very dangerous. I think you really have to be, and I, I love to drink. I, it's like one of my great pleasures in life, but mm -hmm. even as much as I'll sip a Manhattan or have a couple glasses of wine, mm -hmm. I am never to the point where I wouldn't be able to get behind the wheel of a car or mm -hmm. call an Uber or anything like that until I am very, very secure and safe around somebody. Yeah. Perfect. Good. Well, if you ever need me to help you with run background checks before even the very first time you meet them, I'm your girl. Oh, great. That's the, I love that. Thank you. And by the um, way, with my, clients, with my clients, I tell them that I don't do background checks on everybody they meet. I screen mm -hmm. everybody over the phone, but mm -hmm. I'm willing to do them, especially for like particularly high profile clients or things like that. I'm willing to do them, but knock on wood, I've never ever had a safety problem or issue. Right. Uh, I, but I have talked to people on the phone where I've just gotten a really bad vibe and been like, yeah, absolutely not. Yeah. Okay, good. Yeah. So you collaborate with other matchmakers with yes. the matches that you're making. And so yes. we have this matchmakers Alliance Facebook group that, that we're both a part of. And, yeah. um, and then we have our favorite matchmakers that we trust that we reach out to on behalf of the client. Have you ever had a situation where you kind of feel like the matchmaker let you down a little bit in the, the match that was made. <laughs> I have my own story. <laughs> I definitely, I haven't had, I, I heard of a, of a, of a date that went recently where it turned mm -hmm. out that the matchmaker had provided this other matchmaker with a guy who had had a whole host of like DUIs and time mm -hmm. in jail and mm -hmm. really bad news. And it was very bad. I would yeah. say worst cases that have had to me is that the age has been wrong on the profile and it, mm -hmm. you just can't do that to other matchmakers. If I'm going to mm -hmm. get a profile, you need to make sure that you're telling me that you have verified with your own people in your database that this is correct. And yeah. certainly I've had people be like, oh my God, he, he, you know, he's got this income and he's got this height. And then my client will report, oh, this was just absolutely, totally untrue. But nothing's been to the point where I have had to call that matchmaker up and been like, this was like, I could get fired. You know, yeah. what was your story? What was your well, story? Well, I mean, I did have a pretty bad situation that I had to, with one of my clients years ago. And the guy, I mean, he shows up, he doesn't look anything like his photos and it was a problem, you know, okay. for my client. And, um, so I told the matchmaker, you know, I'm, I'm really disappointed in this match and, you know, we're going to have to figure this out. Like, I'm not paying you a referral fee for like a fake person that you have provided to me, yeah. like a 10, 10 year age gap on the photo. Big so, difference. yeah. So you need to like, really have you need to be able to really trust the matchmaker colleagues that you work with and you yes. learn, you learn once, you know, what the issue is and, yes. um, you know, there has to be trust there for sure. Um, so tell, let's talk a little bit, um, about you, you have a lot of strength in you, you know, you're, you're like a very strong woman, um, in the way that you communicate and obviously the great job that you're doing for people, you're mentoring other matchmakers. I was talking to a matchmaker earlier today who was just speaking volumes about you and how helpful you were to her. Um, where do you think this strength came from? God, that is such an interesting question. 
I had to be pretty scrappy as a kid in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. My parents divorced when I was really, really young. Um, mm-hmm. my, I was 18 months old when my parents divorced. I was raised by a single mother. Mm-hmm. And I had an older brother. I was just writing about this. My older brother died a couple of years ago. I was writing about this recently on social media that my mm-hmm. older brother was like a big, strong guy. And he loved the movie Karate Kid. And mm-hmm. I was like, he was like the... He was always, he, he, like a lot of like young boys, he wanted mm-hmm. to like be physical with someone. And mm-hmm. he was always kind of semi beating up on me. And <laughs> I was always doing these, like, you know, wax on, wax off. And I feel like <laughs> I kind of got this karate training <laughs> from my older brother. Like I had to fend for, I'm also a Gen Xer and I don't mm-hmm. know memes that go around about Gen X. They're like, we lived on garden hoses and sandwiches. And our parents, my mom was one of these Gen X moms. She'd be like, it'd be like morning on a Saturday. And she'd be like, be home by nightfall. But she did not know where I went that day or how I lived. I don't know. Uh, Kids today are so different, you know, Mm -hmm. but we, I was, we were feral, us us Gen X children. (laughs) And I mean, I was like a feral cat out in the neighborhood. Like the stuff stuff that I encountered on the public buses of Oakland, (laughs) California, children should not have been exposed. (laughs) So I don't know. Some of it was just kind of getting tough as a kid. Mm -hmm. And I try, I remember, I try to remember to still see my vulnerable side because sometimes I forget my vulnerable side and it's Mm -hmm. really important to stay in touch with your vulnerable side. And I have to, I, that's the side. I think there are maybe people who are more like, oh, woe is me. I'm so weak. And then they have to remember that they're strong. And mm-hmm. I'm one of those people who's just very, very strong. And then mm-hmm. I have to remember, no way, I have vulnerability too. And there's weak mm-hmm. spots in me and I am I can be gotten. And I have mm-hmm. to remember that I'm. it's okay to self-care and be vigilant and protect myself because mm-hmm. I have ways that I am weak that I don't necessarily see all day long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it makes you more introspective and aware of the way you're being in society and how you're dealing with clients. So it's a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. It has been such a pleasure having you on the podcast. Um, where can people find you? What are your socials? Um, so I'm just so bad with in- Instagram, but I want to get better in 2024. So it'd be wonderful to have more people there. Um, my company's called Keeper Introduction Services, but I am Keeper Intros on Instagram. On Facebook, I'm just my name, Gabriella Arito. I People call me Gabby, but my, my real name is Gabriella. So those mm-hmm. are my socials. And then anybody is allowed to just go into my database too, which is you go to my website, which is keeperintros.com. Mm-hmm. And I have a free database that you can enter. So you're welcome to go there too. And probably just like Lori, that means that I might be able to see you for my own clients, but mm-hmm. it also means I might submit you to somebody else's client. And if you want to put in there that you heard me on this podcast, or you want to put, where did you hear about us? And you want to put Lori, then, then I know that you came through her, which is always nice for us to keep track of each other. Um, and by the way, it's been such a pleasure talking to you. I could, I literally could talk to you for hours and hours. Me too. I feel it's exactly so the good. same way. You're amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much for your time and energy and sharing. 
Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Love on the Go. I hope you join us on our next episode. You can make sure to know when it is by following us wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, if you enjoyed it, it'd be great if you left us a review. I'd appreciate it. In the meantime, to learn more about me and how my team can help you, visit carolinasmatchmaker.com. Until next time.